Bailey and Harper, episode 71. Yeah, we're still doing this because we enjoy our time with you. Roman Harper, what's up, buddy? How you been? I'm doing good, boss. How you doing, man? I'm making it, brother. I'm making it. I That's mean, it's the first time we've had an episode since you almost cut your foot off. Well, okay. Um, I mean, I didn't, I think the foot's all right. The toe. The toe nearly left us. Yes, we'll get to that in a minute. We'll get all to right. that in a minute. Okay. All right. Episode 71, the best to ever wear 71. You want to go first or should I? All right. So mine, it, I got two different guys. Um, number one is a guy that I'm just envious of. Oh. I actually played against him in college. And his is Jason Peters, the left tackle extraordinaire for the Philadelphia Eagles for all those great years. Um, and now with the Dallas Cowboys. But I actually played him when he was at the University of Arkansas, and he was a tight end. Oh. And so I had to guard him. And he was this 290-something pound tight end at Arkansas. And nobody knew. I'm like, how the hell is this guy going to, like, play tight end? He's 290. Right. And he was mostly just a running blocking guy, but he did go out on routes and stuff like this. And that's when they had Cedric Cobb and all those other great running backs. They ran the ball all the time. And next you know, he went undrafted and became the NFL legend. He's going to be a Hall of Famer at some point in time in his career. And that's not even my favorite number 71. My favorite number 71 is actually current all-pro left tackle Trent Williams of the San Francisco 49ers, who I have another great story. I tell you all the time, Kyle, it's only been one person I'm scared of in football, and that's Trent Williams himself. I've told you this many times. The one story, I'm on the goal, well, we're in the red zone, the low red zone. I'm coming off the edge on a blitz. He had the dark visor. So in my mind, his head straight. He doesn't see me. Yeah. I think I timed this thing up great. I come off. Bro, he comes off and puts hands on me <laughs> like, like he was blessing me in church. I, Boom. Hands on me, shocks me, and then like is about to like take me by the water coolers, right? Oh, yeah. He's like driving me. And I'm literally begging this man to like please let me go like please dude let me go please please let me go like he was about to hurt me and i'm like bro let me go like i'm not gonna i promise i'm not doing it i promise i won't i'm done i won't make a play i swear god like don't hurt me don't hurt me and then all of a sudden he finally like pushed me and like let me go released me i would say he released me at this point and at that point i was like all right and he didn't say anything. He just mugged me out afterwards. Who was the Eagles defender that he just ragdolled last week? Uh, dude, everybody's on his highlight tape. Dude, oh. this guy m- mauls it, it, it people. Was, it was in the fight, right? It was in the pile. And he just oh, snatches yeah, yeah, yeah. him up the, and just throws a grown man. Like so it. literally three plays before that, I'm sitting with somebody, and I'm like, uh, man, they better watch out for Trent Williams. The game's kind of over. This dude's going to be mad. Yeah. All right? He's the same guy that punched – Uh, Richard Sherman after a game. He's the same guy that I'm scared of. I just know you better watch out. That's all I'm saying. You better watch out. And next thing you know, things start flaring. Boy, he came over there and finished it off. And then the only person that could get in Trent's face is is another big behemoth of a person. Like, like that's the difference. When you get these two big dinosaurs out there, there's only – only person that's going to stop Trent Williams is another apex predator himself. That's it. You know what I mean? Like, that's it. And nobody else is stepping in between it either. They're no, like. Nobody has any <laughs> desire to. I tried to explain this to my wife one time, right? And I'm like, listen, I didn't play in the NFL, but like, I'm 6'2", 240, but yeah. by most standards, you know, I'm, I'm a Kyle, big guy. you're a big dude. I'm a big guy, right? You but are I, a very big dude. I, I was explaining to her one day, I was like, mm-hmm. however, that man right there on TV, I was like, if I had to fight him, if it, if it was life or death for you and the kids to get away, if I, ha- I would absolutely fight him. 
but just know I'm not going to see you again. (laughs) Because that's a different size, level, caliber of human being that they just don't make very many of. And unless you're one of them, don't fuck with them. No. Trent Williams is the, the, you just used the perfect phrase, an apex predator. Yes. It's unbelievable how powerful that guy is. Yes. Look, we had practices where there were fights had, and it was very big players. Like when large men get mad and start swinging and going on, only people that slow them down are the other very large big guys. Right. Like, there is nobody else. Um, the one time my boy Zach Streif got really mad. Zach Streif, 6'7", 340s, right? Streif got mad. He's fighting. Carl Nix is another dude who's freakishly big. He's like 6'5", 6'6", like 360. Um, he was the best guard in the NFL at the time. He and Jari Evans. These guys get to fighting and tussling. And then next, you know, only person that's willing to, like, stop this or just stands up is big Sean Rogers, the big defensive tackle that was like another six, seven, whatever. Like, and nobody's getting in the way of these guys. <laughs> At this point, everybody on the sideline kind of just backs back and, and we're good. Yeah. And when they decide to stop, then we stop. Right. But other than that, it doesn't happen. They set the tone. They set the whole tone. Because Nobody, you, because you can't control them. No. Nobody. The three of you can't control them. No way. It, All you're gonna do is just make him more mad. Yeah, so you dude. just you just leave it. <laughs> I lo- you, you don't them, do anything. You also call them dinosaurs, which is absolutely perfect because it, I mean it's they're just huge cow. Enormous. It, it, they're humongous people, and I don't think I don't think people understand how big these people are because they're on TV. And they're around amongst other very large people. Yeah, unless you're around it or you see it, you don't understand it. But I know for no. me, like the first time I, st- I was standing courtside at an NBA game and I was watching these dudes warm up, I was like, holy, I, I don't know anybody who looks like these people. Yeah. The- because they're so large. They're so tall. And it's the tall part in the NBA for the most part. But like- Yeah, the tall part in the NBA. And then with the NFL, it's like the linemen and the big guys. Yeah. Like – Trent Williams didn't stop till uh, what's the big D lineman that's been at uh, uh, in Philly for all these years? Uh, oh, Fletcher nine. Cox. Yep. Yeah. Till Fletcher Cox walked up. Yeah, he was like, stop. Yeah, Let's and then stop. Drew was like, all right, all right, we'll stop. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like <laughs> not because but, he had to. He, he just respected that Fletcher was, you know. That, that's it. Fletcher's been in the league a long time. Fletcher's big as hell too. Yep. He's like six three. He'll fight you. Yeah, yeah. So at that point, you're like, all right. We'll Plus, at that point, Trent was mad. He was probably ready and to go And he made home. his point because, yeah. again, he just ragdolled another human being on live yeah. national television in front of 50 million people. And he was ready to go home. <laughs> We're losing. We're not going to win. I'm pissed off. I'm ready to go home. So stop this shit. Fuck it. I'm out. I'm yep. a, you know what? I'm going to throw myself out. It was amazing. On the way out. It, it was, was great. But, yes, those are my guys. Sorry. Go no, ahead. You're good. No, no. I, was, I'm, I got Walter Jones, Alabama man. Oh, from, yeah. He played is. at Florida State, but, you know. He is from Alabama. He's from outside of Huntsville. Um, played in the league forever. I mean, considered four-time first-team All-Pro. Yeah, considered the best left tackle in his generation um, for Seattle um, for a very long time. I mean, monster. He, he went years without giving up sacks. I do believe. In I the NFL. think you're right about that. Yeah, he was unreal, man. I mean, he he started at a, at a community college for two years, <laughs> and then ends up, you know, the greatest left tackle of his generation. And you know, his house in Huntsville. Um, I believe went on sale and it stayed on sale for quite a few years up there in Huntsville because, and I hate to tell everybody this, but sometimes you just go a little too personalized with the personalized crib, you know, and then next, you know, you get a divorce or something doesn't happen. Yeah. yeah. You want downside, whatever that is. It doesn't hold its value very well. It doesn't hold its value very well. (laughs) So when you have big number 71 all over the place, including the pool and the basketball, uh, arena or wherever you had your hoop at, like in the middle of it, like not everybody wants 71 
everywhere you go. Walter Jones is a monster. <laughs> was an absolute monster. All right, I want to get to this. So we, we got to talk about it because I haven't been able to talk about it unfiltered, really. Um, you asked me when I got it. You know the story. I already talked to you. But, like, it's the podcast version of, you know, why I'm limping around like an idiot. Uh, yeah. I dropped a big-ass piece of plywood on my toe like a guillotine, Rome. Yeah. And Also, I feel very lucky because Kyle called me from the hospital. Yeah. And I didn't believe him. He was kind of No, bored. you did not believe me. I it took you like three minutes to fully believe what, that yeah, I'd I done. Yeah, I thought you were kind of fucking with me. I'm like, what are you, like, what are you talking about? Bro? Right. All right, right, go ahead. Sorry. But No, no, you're good. You're good. But I'm not going to relive the entire thing. But, you know, I was carrying lumber for a project me and my buddies were doing. And it just... As soon as it happened, I start doing the one-footed hop up the hill, singing the fuck, fuck, fuck song, and I hit the ground, I popped the shoe off, and the toe just dangled. And I was like, bro, I think I've messed myself up here. Did you not have socks on? Oh, no, I did. I did. I just, I saw the blood in the sock. I skipped that part. But, like, I, yeah. there was blood on the sock, and then I, popped, I pulled that off, and the, the toe just flopped. And I was like, all right, I'm in, I, I'm in, I'm in a bad way here. Oh. Uh, yeah. My wife, my wife walked out after she heard me screaming, fuck. She goes, what, what, what? Oh, my God. She's screaming. And I'm like, all right, just go call 911. Get me a ride to the, to the hospital. Um, and so she gets me a towel and I'm just laying there, bro. And there's a towel sitting on top of like my mangled toe. And I'm like, God, I just fucked myself for long. And I'm just realizing right then and there, I'm like, it's this going to be gone. This well, is like, I can't believe I really did this to myself. I'm like, I, I probably just lost a toe. Yeah. Very well could have lost a toe. Yeah. And then my mind also goes to, and this shit's not going to heal in a couple of days. <laughs> So I, like I, I now all it just sinks in on me right away that I'm like I just fucked myself up really good and it's been two weeks now but uh, I zero out of ten do not recommend don't do this it's uh, tough. Well, I remember when you called me. I didn't believe you. Like I said, I didn't believe you, and you were like, "Man, I think I I may have lost my cut my toe off," <laughs> and I'm like, I'm "Like Kyle, what, like what are you talking about?" Bro? Oh yeah, and like then you start explaining, and I'm like. Kyle, like, like you're being for real. Yeah. Like you really did this. And yeah. uh, you're like, yeah, yeah. And you were explaining. And I just, I was really taken back. I'm glad you're doing better. We are actually very concerned that you were going to lose the toe. <laughs> yeah, me it too. It was a huge concern. Yeah, me too. I heard it in your voice and I, I was very concerned, but I'm glad that we got you at least, well, they sewn it, they sewed it back up. That and, was my only concern because I didn't want to do rehab and shit like that because you got to learn how to walk without a big toe. Like a thousand it, percent. Right. It's not even that. It's like, oh my God, I'm going to, I know plenty of people that have cut off digits. Like, I mean, it's not even that. It's, I don't, the big toe is the most important one. Yeah. You so got to go through balanced. rehab for that shit, right? And I don't want to do that. So I was, I was laying there, but I'd also kind of come to grips with it when I was laying in the ER room. I was like, all right, well, if I cut it off, it's my own fucking fault. I guess I have to figure it out. And uh, the nurse, great nurse, the whole staff was awesome. She looks at me and she goes, you, you're taking this really well for somebody who just cut their toe off. And I just looked at her, as a matter of fact, and I was like, well, if you're going to cut your, I was like, if you're dumb enough to cut your own toe off, you can't be a pussy about it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And she all, they all just started cracking up. And I, I for some reason, I, my head had just gone to, all right, well, you're a fucking idiot. You just cut your toe off, and you're going to have to deal with the consequences of cutting, cutting. If you just put work boots on instead of being in a hurry, you wouldn't be here right now. So I was kind of like lecturing myself in my head. So you just went full parent mode I, on, on yourself. On myself, yeah, yeah absolutely. You went full parent mode. On myself. I was like, like, you deserve to lose your fucking toe. <laughs> Because you didn't even take the time to put some steel toe boots on to walk around carrying lumber and shit. You're an idiot. I, you should have known better. I'm like scolding myself internally. And she just looks at me. And she's like, you're really taking this well. When internally I'm not. Like I'm lighting myself up. And I'm like, well, if you're dumb enough to cut your toe off, you can't be a pussy about it. So uh, they all love that. But, man, it's um, 
It's been a couple of weeks. You still got a walking boot on. You move around. I'm good. walking a lot, lot you got, better. You got upstairs very easily. I hear you on the radio now. Yeah, you know I'm about easily. You're right. It wasn't that easy. It's I mean, very slow. I gave you a head start. Slow. No, I appreciate it. I gave you a head start. I'm, I'm to a point now where I can put weight on the entire ball of my foot. The toast, like the the bone, is shattered. So I mean, it's it's going to heal fine according to the doctor. But like, it, I pretty much shattered well, the bone. Well, too. bone heals, however it heals. So. Yeah, absolutely. Like you know it mean? is what. It, like last night though, for the first time, I was able to independently move the toe. Oh, nice. It hurt like a motherfucker. Like it was involuntary, right? It's just one of those things. Where my brain twitched and it sent some signal to my toe to to bend. And it bent for the first time since I broke it or whatever the fuck. I, and, and, dude, it hurt like a bitch. So I was grateful and I wanted to cry at the same time. It was terrible. Well, at least you got it. All right. right? Well, moving on. What happened? You have connections to two of the most, uh, the biggest names in the coaching world right now in the NFL that are being talked about. Uh, that is true. Currently very We haven't true. even talked about D'Amico. No, we haven't. Uh, have you talked to D'Amico? No, so me and D'Amico were teammates in college. We're not super tight. Okay. Um, and I would say that's more him than on me. Um, but we are cool. I haven't spoken to him. I wish him good luck. I think he has, for his situation, I think it's better job security because he got a six-year deal versus a four-year deal. Yeah. So that's really good. Houston has a whole bunch of draft picks. So we'll see what happens with them. They have been a terrible organization since – since their existence, really. So we'll see how it goes. Um, I, I just don't know if if they'll ever win just because all the pieces got to be right. And to have a really good organization, it doesn't take – it takes more than just a really good head coach. Um, I've seen head coaches fail because of the things around them that just were not in place or consistent enough to allow you to win in the, at the highest level. And, you know, when – in the NFL, man, everybody's got to be lock and step. If you want to win consistently, you can have a splash, splash, uh, flash in the pan type year or, you know, splash in the bucket, whatever you want to say. But you will not be able to win consistently and compete for championships if not the organization, the coaching staff, and all the players are all on the same team. Okay, so uh, Houston's lucky. They found a guy who has a soft spot for the organization. because it A thousand like percent. A, he played there. Yes. He, was, he was rookie defensive rookie year, our rookie year. Right. So, I mean, like he – he has a soft spot. I mean, he, he cares about the organization, whereas, you know, if you didn't have an organizational tie, you, looking at what they've done the last couple of years, it doesn't look that attractive, right? No, but I, one thing I can say, they have, they have hired minority coaches. Three in last a row. three. Yeah. I mean, so Houston must be doing something. <laughs> they keep firing them after a year, but, No you know, doubt. You know, no, I didn't say how long they were there. I just, I'm just telling the flat-out stat is what it is. We'll get to that kind of conversation in a second, but we got to go to Peyton first. What happened there? Um, so Peyton really enjoyed um, his his interview process in Denver. Like, right. And honestly, the, the thing that I heard coming out of it was that he was highly, highly impressed, highly, highly impressed with Condoleezza Rice. Sharp, sharp. Well, lady. yeah, I mean, that's not shocking. No, she, she, but I'm telling you what word on the street is from a, like, pretty much the horse's mouth. He's blown away with how sharp she is, which it doesn't shock me at all because when I was in college my senior year, she did the coin toss. And she was in – that's when she was working with Bush. And um, what was she over for Bush? She Secretary was, of State. Yeah, Secretary of State. And I was literally like, Miss Rice, what are you doing here, like doing a coin toss at University of Alabama? And, you know, she's from Birmingham. So um, she was like, actually, my goal is to be – the commissioner of the SEC one day. Oh, yeah. I was like, 
What? She loves football. <laughs> loves football. She's like <laughs> fanatical about football. Yep. So I've done all these things since, and you know, so it, I'm not surprised at all about Sean's feelings towards her and how. Uh, I mean, she was on the college football playoff selection committee. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's like she's. First of all, I didn't realize she was 68 years old already. She I didn't does. Know that she does not look 68. Um, but no, I'm black not, don't crack. Kyle. I, that's, that. I'm, I was thinking it. I'm glad you said it. Um, <laughs> I always feel uncomfortable saying it, but it is actually very true. Um, but no, the, the thing is, like, I wasn't sure about that situation because some yeah. people are framing it like Denver really wanted D'Amico and they settled for Sean. So uh, if that is true, good, good for Sean. Well, good for everybody. Because at the end of the day, they still paid like they paid Sean like they wanted Sean. Well, right. You, know you wanted saying? Sean, you have to pay Sean's great. You know he's mean? going back to Fox. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so, I, no matter who they wanted, I mean, maybe they did want D'Amico at a much cheaper price tag. Probably. You're not All getting right? it. Probably, yeah. Yeah. All right? yeah. And instead, because D'Amico didn't get what Sean got. Well, no, Houston. almost nobody's getting what Sean gets. No. So, at that point, then you're going to pay the rate that Sean's going to pay you, going to cost you, and you, you got to give up draft picks. But so, boy, it you costs are. you more. Pardon my language, but you are all the fuck in in Denver. Like you're you all in. All, you, you're Peyton all in. and Russ has to work, or the next five years of Broncos football is going to suck. Yeah, you're all in. And so a lot of a lot of my former teammates, we were all concerned and a little bit worried because of the whole Russ situation out there, uh, and Russ not being able to run the way he used to be able to. What's Sean going to do with his offense, and sure. how's it going to go? I, I think getting Fangio on defense. Is a great freaking start. Number one, if they nail down Fangio, on, I thought he was going to Miami. Uh, no, got, that plug got pulled. Really? Yeah. When did that happen? Uh, group chat. It's on fire right now. So. Oh yeah, that's right. I saw. Okay, never mind. Yeah, never mind. Okay. And so, if, if Sean's able to pull off Fangio on defense, that's a home run early. You know, they already got a really good defense. He already knows that roster really well to be able to go back there and look, man. Sean's going to score points. I don't care who he has at quarterback. He's always scored points because he knows how to call a football game. So he understands those things, and he's going to get the best out of Russ. I think what we can get out of Russ, he's going to try and get that out of him. And we'll see what happens. But according to Shannon Sharp, and I'm purely going off of what Shannon Sharp says because he knows that organization and I Unk. trust his word. Yeah. <laughs> Uncle Shay Shay. <laughs> Bro, he going to get Russ fixed. The oh. parking spots. The own office, the, the everything. Yeah. All that's going to go. Because Sean is a freaking dude. He's like the edge of. He's the opposite of Russell Wilson. Oh I was my, thinking Yes. That, yeah, like, I'm telling you. And, and he's going to be talking reckless to Russ. He's going to be messing with him. He's going to be in his head some. But he's going he's gonna to push you. Yeah. Like, some days you got to understand, like, when Sean Payton is your coach, sometimes it's just your fucking day. He's going, you're going to be stretching, minding your own business, just trying to go about your own day at work, and he's going to come up to you and start shooting at you, yep. talking some shit, trying to get in your head, trying to see if you got some shit to you. That is his <laughs> whole thing. And he gets it from Bill Parcells. Bill Parcells would just pick out a guy that day. And I'll never forget the time I missed the tackle versus Tampa Bay. No, versus somebody in the NFL. It was early on in my career, like year two or three, and I missed the tackle. And Bill Parcells told Sean, and Sean was – Sean Bill watched all the games that Sean coaches. So he literally – Sean comes up to me on like that Wednesday. It was like Thursday next week. It's like, hey, I talked to my boy Parcells last night, and he wanted me to tell you specifically, hey, if a motherfucker plays safety 
and he can't tackle, he won't have a job for long. <laughs> and walks off. I'm just saying. Well, damn. Damn. Bill Parcells <laughs> needed you to hear that, huh? Yeah, that's what he needed me to hear. And you know what? I had an open field tackle the very next week, and I made the play. But when you do those things, oh, yeah. it, it just hushes it. Not only that, but it builds confidence in the player, too, right? Because I know what they're looking for me to do and execute. And it's different ways to tell you that or get you to motivate to do these things, right? And I'm not tackling in practice, but when that game situation came up, I elevated myself and I made that play, and it helped solidify me just a little bit more. Sure. So these are the things that people in Denver are going to get. These are the little intangibles when you're going to get competition Fridays. Like, we're going to freaking compete. Like, ones versus ones, red zone, we're counting the numbers, and who's going to score the most? Like, competition is going to be at a high, a high level, and it's not just going to be given to Russ, and Russ not just going to be, like, chewing bubble gum and looking cool and throwing dimes with yep. no pressure. Like, Sean's going to heat him up, and he's going to try and push and put some pressure on this kid, this dude to really make him go back to where his greatness is because it's still there. You just don't fall off a yeah, cliff Yeah, Russ like doesn't that. suddenly suck. Yeah. Like, I, I, I said the same thing last year, and I'm somebody who thinks that, you know, and I own it, that I think Russ is a little bit, you know, superficial. Oh, my God, uh, he's but, a complete prima donna. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's a lot of things, I'll but, like, he, the dude could ball, and he didn't just suddenly it, – it's kind of like when the – I know it's a little bit different, like when the whole Simone Biles conversation all the, back then happened. She got in her own head. And I was like, lady, this is – I told people, I was like, this is a 19-time world champion, yeah. right? She won titles with broken toes and strained ligaments. Like, she didn't just suddenly forget how to be a champion or suddenly not get – anyway, point is, Russ didn't just fall off a cliff and forget how to do this. No, 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 man. He, so, so he and Sean Payton are either going to work because of what you're talking about or they're going to fucking hate each other. Yeah, and, you know, it's going to work out. And at the end of the day – it has to work out because Denver gave up all Again, the draft they're picks. all in. They're all in, and uh, the Saints are happy because they got a first-round pick. And if I'm the Saints, it's a late first-round pick, which I don't even know what you're going to be able to get out of it. But, hey, we're going to see what happens. And at the end of the day, we're, we're going to continue to see what, what builds and what goes. I'm very interested to see um, as they continue to uh, build this thing out. I, I told you I love all this NFL movement. I love that Sean got another gig. I love that my Saints got a first-round pick, even though I would trade all these motherfuckers and get a, he's get as many draft capital as I can for next year's draft. Okay. Stop, well, hold on. So we're, we've done coaches. So you like all these things. Let, let's talk about something you don't like because it yeah. seems like the, the Panthers have done some things that you don't like. I'm off the Panthers for a year, at least a year or two. Whoa, I'm bro. Off. You're I'm taking a year Panthers. sabbatical from the Carolina I'm Panthers? Off. I'm off. They're going to have to win back my fandom. Really? I'm off. I just look. Why a year? It's a stiff penalty. I, I've, been, I've been very frustrated with the organization as a whole. Some of the decisions they've made, the way they go about their business, it's frustrating. I feel like they, they, they try and teeter the line and straddle the fence of, I want to appease the fans and show everybody that we care about the fans and the fans' opinions matter. And then I don't give a fuck about the fans. I'm going to do whatever the hell I want to do. And I'd much rather you just do that. Just let me know who you are and just be that person consistently. Like, I'm cool with it because it's your organization. You run it how you want to run it because it's yours. And nobody else, nobody else cares. If it sucks, it's going to affect you the most anyways. Sure. So I understand that, and I've seen it done both ways, and I'm cool with it either way. But when you're straddling fence, nobody knows what to expect out of you, and you end up with inconsistent results, which is exactly what this team has been Kyle over the last few years all right you bring in it all right we bring in Matt Rule we get rid of Cam Newton 
All right, we bring in Teddy Bridgewater. Get rid of Teddy Bridgewater. We bring in Joe um, Brady. Joe Brady. Get rid of Joe Brady. We bring in somebody else. Got to go too. Matt Rule's out. All right, Steve Wilkes wins with a terrible team that you gutted. All right, you don't bring – and look, I told you weeks ago that Steve Wilkes was not going to get the job because they didn't give him the job immediately after the season. So you make him re-interview or re – Well, they had to interview candidates, though. They had to. They, they, yeah, because you got to check boxes. Sure, but you that's kind of the fucked boxes. up thing about it was that you got a blackhead coach who you know looks like he's at least got a chance, yeah. and you still have to interview two more blackhead coaches because that's the rule. Not that it's a bad thing to interview anybody, but no. anyway, points to point, I understand what you're saying. Yes, all right? And, and my only deal was this, was like, just say you want an offensive-minded head coach. Like, that's what we're looking for. And don't say like, oh, well, Wilkes had a real chance. I'm like, no, he didn't. No, he didn't. You guys are lying to, once again, appease the fans and all these other people here. I, they bring in, look, hire Frank Wright. They said Frank Wright separated himself and whatever. Like, fine, whatever. But I'm telling you, Roman Harper himself is disappointed that Steve Wilkes is not the head coach for this team and this organization right now because I felt like he deserved it. Now, is he the most – and look, uh, we deal with this in college football all the time. Is it the four best teams or the most – deserving four teams and in my opinion I do not know in my heart of hearts if Steve Wilkes was the best candidate because I didn't go through the interview process I do know he was probably the most deserving candidate out of all of the coaches that you interviewed and the fact that you didn't give it to him it is disappointing especially coming from an African-American man in this community I just know the whole community would have been behind it, and you act, in, you act as if you really care about the community and you want to do all these things. Then it was a freaking layup. You just hire Steve Wilkes. And if Steve Wilkes sucks, nobody's even mad at Tepper. But I do know this. You hired Frank Wright and not Steve Wilkes. And if Frank Wright sucks, oh, yeah. it's all on you. No, this and, one's big. And, like, you would look like, and I hate to use this word, but you would look like a buffoon if you get this wrong. Why would you hate you? It's one of my favorite words of all time. Oh, I just, I don't know. Calling people I, a buffoon is a way to actually hit them hard without <laughs> it sounding nasty, man. Buffoon is a phenomenal fucking I just, word. It's just, yeah, it's too, it's, it's, it's I don't know. It's, it's kind of. I've been buffoonish before. Yeah, I don't, I don't, it's too close for me. But as anyway, a, to your original point. Just, you know, come across like monkey. Or not to derail your point yeah. there, because you, I, I, I got a similar sentiment sent to me as a mouthful. On my text line yesterday, the last yeah. couple of days, you know, where, yeah. and it wasn't even all just anger necessarily. One guy no, was just like, look, it, goes, I'm not angry at all. No, but he said, look, you know, there's, I think you're, you know, you, you need to consider or something along the lines of, you know, consider the fact that there are a lot of folks in the black community. He pointed out with, um, you know, discretionary income and things like that, that, you know, watched that decision and felt like Steve Wilkes had earned the job. And now they're looking at him with some side eye, like, you know, what's going on? David Tepper. Because I was, I was there two days ago with the press conference. I want to talk about that, too. And I got a chance to speak to Dave briefly. I talked to the GM, talked to a few people over there. But, um, you know, Tepper shoots off to the side after Frank Reich's introduced to, um, you know, talk to the press. And he's answering questions. And a lot of this has gone viral, and I've used it on my show. But he's defending the record, the track record of the organization. He doesn't really want to talk about Wilkes. He very he, rarely – He wouldn't do it. Really wouldn't talk about it. He him. wouldn't. He talked about everything the else. The diversity within the organization yes. at the executive level especially, which, again, there he's is truth. He's got a female president. Yes. All he, those other things. The, the new voice of the Panthers and Ishroff uh, has an Indian heritage. Um, you know, they're just – but the, these things were pointed out again by David Tepper. Um, and that's – and I guess you're not wrong to point that out. 
And I'll be honest with you. I mean, I, I, David Tepper, for whatever faults he has, I've never gotten the vibe from him that he is a racist. No. Right? But we're talking about coaches, right? People yes. don't watch the NFL because of team presidents and because of you know things <laughs> like that. That's not why they watch the NFL. Not so at all. The topic at hand here is head coaches. Yes. And there was a popular guy here who seemed to do a pretty good job or at least made people care more about your product yes. than they have in some time due to the apathy under Matt Rule. And to your point, there are a lot of folks that are thinking today, did, did he ever really have a chance? Or others say, hey, he did a good enough job to get himself into consideration for the job, serious consideration, when he wouldn't have been otherwise. Um, and I think there's some merit to that argument. Yeah. I, I think if Matt Rule finishes out the season and they just fire him, I don't think Steve Rule or Steve Wilkes is on a list of candidates for this job. Not at all. So, you know, how do we balance that against it? Because I, I like Steve Wilkes. I, I set the bar for him early at six and six. Yeah. I said if this man gets you to seven and ten and goes six and six with somebody else's coaching staff, somebody else's players, I, I think he's earned the job. Didn't necessarily think that meant he was going to get it because yeah. David Tepper's a wild card, but to me, six and six meant he earned the job. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I, I just it, think this whole Even conver- if it was a one year deal. A trial basis, like right. Look, Kyle, I I, I don't think David Tepper's are not even minutely close to a racist. No, I don't like, believe that. Like none of that stuff. And like you mentioned earlier, like all the the executives and all those things, like all that stuff's cool. That's great to hear. But like you said, it's all about the coaches right now. And the the way I say that it could have been handled better is just be honest. That's where I'm I'm really like turned off by this organization because the straddling of the fence once again. It's like we're trying to appease the play the 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 community and the fans because hey, we all, they all know they love Wilkes. But he was ready to hire the Gus Johnson kid who only has called plays one year in the NFL and put him in charge of your whole organization. That was wild point. to me. And he pulled out. Here's he the thing. pulled out. But Tepper and them were ready to go. I know. They were ready to go on this Or guy. at least that's what we're told. I know that was what was reported. And, and I'll say this. You know, there are some guys that were in the you know final four standing of the NFL playoffs, uh, final eight especially, that were you know coordinators for less than two years, and they are now successful head coaches. There yes. are examples out there. No doubt. But this, you're still rolling the dice, and I'm glad they didn't do that. I don't know what they would have done otherwise. And I've got nothing against Ben Johnson. Me neither. Um, you know, he might be great. But that dude was coaching tight ends last year. <laughs> and and he, he's in his first year as an offensive coordinator, and it looks like he did a good job. Like I have no qualms with the job that he did. I just like a slightly larger sample size. Me too. That's all. And I think anybody should want that, especially when you got proven guys out there. And I want to point this out too. Um, and Pat McAfee had Ian Rappaport on his show on Friday, and Pat goes. It was after the Panthers hired Frank Reich. He said he asked Ian Rappaport. He said, "Hey, are we?" finding out here that maybe it wasn't Sean Payton who was the hot name in this cycle, but actually Frank Reich was the bell of the ball. He's like, that's what it's starting to seem like. And Rappaport was like, yeah, you know, over the last 24 hours, I've really started to realize that, you know, multiple teams were really looking hard at Frank Reich and, you know, thought that maybe the Indianapolis situation was more about ownership and the GM and less about him. I mean, Andrew Luck did retire out from underneath the man. Like, that that changes the direction of one's coaching tenure because those guys don't come along very often. And then you're going through a cycle of, you know, veterans and retreads and guys, you're trying to reclaim Carson Wentz and, so who knows? But I, I do think they hired a good coach. I, I, think, I, I think Frank Wright could work. I like his staff. They kept James Campen to coach the offensive line. Chris Tabor's going to stick around to coach special teams. Deuce Staley is coming to join the staff. He's leaving Detroit. Um, sounds like he wants to be closer to home. He's still got to hire the OC and the, and the defensive coordinator, no doubt. But, like, this could work well. If they had just gone from Matt Rule to Frank Reich, I think people would be celebrating today. 
Like if it had just no, you're right, people would be celebrating yes. if it had just fire Matt Rule at the end of the season. We're hiring Frank Reich. Everybody's like, yeah, offensive dude. He's been playing for the Panthers. <laughs> nice guy from Charlotte. Kids went to school in Charlotte. It would have been great. But Steve Wilkes made that a you know a much much different <laughs> conversation, and will and that conversation will linger for a long time, unless it, they start winning right away. It has created pressure, mm-hmm. pressure to win, and if you don't win, you're gonna have pie on your face. Correct. Like this has to go right. It didn't have to go right until Wilkes was in the equation, but because Wilkes is in the equation, you can't change the past. Right. And you can't change the success that he had with a terrible team and how every player in that locker room came out and said, I want him as my coach. Sure. All right. So you didn't listen to them. All right. You didn't listen to the fans either. You listened to your guys and your committees. And so you guys pick Frank Wright. And this is no knock on Frank Wright at all. It's just a fact of what I see and that I'm making this organization re-earn my fandom from here on. And I'm going to make it hard. I'm not just going to be cool with it. I, I, I don't believe. You're not going to be like an ex-girlfriend and just call me and I come back. Right. And, and so as somebody who talks to fans every day, you know, I, I get on, I get a couple thousand text messages from fans. Oh, I've been, I've seen the text. Board. Yeah. It lights up. It's wild. <laughs> um, and so I, I feel like I've got a pretty good, you know, view into the mind of the average sports fan and, and even the extreme sports fans and everybody else. Um, you know, I, I'm usually. I don't think what I'm saying is a hot take. No. I, I'm usually pretty skeptical when people say things like, I'm never watching again, or I'm done with this. Like, you know, no, you're not. Like, you're here. Oh, I didn't say that. I'm no, just no, no, saying, no, like, no, no, no. I know you're not. Yeah. I know you're not. But to your point, I, like, we got many of those last Thursday when they hired Frank Reich and not Steve Wilkes. People saying, I'm done with this fucking team. I'm, not, I'm, I'm selling my PSLs, blah, 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 on the text line. And I'm, just like, I'm skeptical of most of you. I don't necessarily believe you're going you to. And the thing is, I, I'm not saying that you're – being upset or your arguments are without merit i get it but if that team starts five and oh next year you're in you're in dude come on you are because that you're back that is professional sports right this happens over and over and over again and i mean some of you might actually follow through with it some of you might go be 49ers fans best of luck to you um (laughs) but most of you if they start winning are going to come back but back to your point if this doesn't work people who are already saying i'm out Oh, that might really start to manifest itself because <laughs> it's been five years, no playoffs. You got a controversial owner, right? Yeah. He's done some unpopular things. Yes. They ran Cam out of the building. At least that's the perception Rivera of many. gone. Rivera's gone, right? Cam gone. And now Steve Wilkes, a guy who, you know, hometown guy. Not only that, but you chose Matt Rule. Luke Keekley was trying to be in the building. Didn't work. It's like bad things that have happened. And you just... Instead of telling the whole community and everybody, hey, we're going to rebuild here, right. you're like, no, we're going to like keep da-da-da. You were way into too many trades, all right? And these trades have not worked out. So it's a lot of moving parts here that have not been good for this organization. And people are looking like, do we even know what we're doing? All right? You bring in Scott Fitterer. That's his guy, all right? Self-picked. But Scott Fitterer is not – He's going to do what the owner says, and this owner is very much so involved. I don't care what anybody tells you or they're trying to give this GM all the power. Nah. Him and Morgan, Dan Morgan, they're together, but you're up under Tepper, and what Tepper wants, Tepper gets. I, I think right. I think that both Fitterer and Morgan are sharp guys. I think there's no yeah, doubt about that. They're I'm sharp not guys. On them. That, that concerns me, though. And I, when I say concerns me, it doesn't mean that I, I don't think I know better. I'm not a scout. I'm not an evaluator. I don't pretend to be. I'll tell you who I like and why. 
Um, I, I don't. I never played in the NFL like you did, but I've seen a whole lot of football, broadcasting, covering it. You, you know all those things. So we all have opinions. Is my point. You mm-hmm. know, especially those of us who are just around the game all the time. Yeah. But like, I I I wouldn't even dare to argue. You know, about a player with a guy like Scott Fitterer. I wouldn't argue with Scott Fitterer about a player evaluation, but, you know, David Tepper strokes the checks. He's a brilliant guy. He made a shitload of money on Wall Street. Um, so he's going to have a say. He's a football fan. He was yep. minority owner in the Steelers for a long time. Yep. Uh, we all think we have opinions. At the end of the day, he's a rich guy, but he's also a guy, a football fan, who's got thoughts and opinions, and he also happens to be the most important voice in any room in that building because he owns it all. Yep. So, yeah, he's going to have a, a voice. He's going to have a say. Um, I hope personally that – you know, he stays out of the – not that he stays out of the quarterback conversation. I don't ever feel right saying that about an owner because they own the team. I guess it's it, fundamentally their right to be in on those conversations, but I'd like to think the best ones just say, you know, these guys are doing more of this than me. I'm going to let them make the final decision. Do not micromanage it, right? right. Like, well, sometimes – and look, at, at this point, I'm starting to understand why Jerry Jones is getting the way he is, right? Every time I look up, Jerry Jones is on TV talking about something going on and this roster move, this quarterback. He's been doing that weekly hit on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas for a long time. Not many owners do that. I've had David Tepper on my show twice. Yeah, and And so, look, Jerry's getting old, bro. Jerry's like, man, if these jokers don't win it, I'm not going to see another Super Bowl, and that's not how I want to go in the ground. So I get it, you know? So when it gets to that, then you have to be. But right now, I think Tepper and these guys, they need to get some things right, and – Look, I just want you to answer this for me, Kyle. How am I supposed to trust that this organization is going to do and make the right decisions when when I look around at all the moves that they've made since they've been here, I can't really tell you any of them have been the right move besides drafting in the first round. He did something well. Beyonce's coming to Bank of America Stadium <laughs> later this year. Beyonce. How about that? Yep. Really? He brought, he brought guard. Oh, you didn't see. I mean, Garth Brooks was here last year. I mean, they've had some big ones, but uh, Beyonce's world tour stopping at Bank of America Stadium later this year. That means I got to get my wife tickets because we are part of the Beehive in this family. I called it the Bayhive the other day and somebody scolded me. Oh, Dude, Kyle, how dare you? I, I didn't know. So, how dare you? I, I heard you? somebody else say it once and I was like, oh, that must be what they call it. I, I mean, I like Beyonce, don't get me wrong, but I don't even, I don't know like that. Yeah, 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 bro, don't, don't do that. They will come for you. Dude, Speaking of, never mind. They will come for you. The same way as the Swifties and the other crews that all like. I don't mess with those people. Um, (laughs) I'm not a Taylor Swift guy. Moving on. Uh, Beyonce is coming here. And so it was also announced Wheezy will be here on, of course, 420. Um, He'll be here April 20th at the Fillmore of all places. That's a smaller venue. It's all right, bro. We're going to pack it out. That's what and I was going to say. It'll probably be like, smoke in the air, it, too. Oh, some, as soon as I said it on the air yesterday, like three, pe- three people texted and they're like, they're going to hotbox the Fillmore. And I was like, <laughs> dude, somebody, it's going to be smoke in the air somewhere. It's, it's a couple guys that when they come, bro, it's smoke in the air. Yeah. All right, Snoop Dogg. Yep. Uh, a couple uh, – too short when he's in the building, probably some smoke in the air. Mm. Uh, I'm pretty sure with E-40 as well. Um and, and definitely with Lil Wayne, like it's it's probably some smoke in the air. That's so. what he, yeah, that's absolutely true. By the way, speaking of Wayne, you, when we started this show, right before we went, we turned the mics on. I was watching for the first time Deion Sanders giving. Uh, who was Lil Wayne with? Was he with? I he, he was anybody, just with some of his boys. I that's think. what I thought. I was yeah, going to yeah, say yeah. anybody else notable, but I think it was just him taking a tour of the Col- the Colorado yeah. locker room. Absolutely, Deion does hilarious. a great job of just bringing out other guys, other celebrities to 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 really inspire his players. Sometimes. As a young 
player in college football or even in life, like just being a young man, um, it's really hard to find your own goals and set your own standards when all of a sudden you've never seen it before. But when you've seen stars, you've been around it, it makes you more comfortable around it. It makes you more comfortable with celebrities. It makes you more comfortable around winning and successful people. Yep. And the more people you surround yourself with that are successful, it usually things start to rub off. Yeah. You see how they act. You see how they treat themselves. You listen to their stories and life lessons. And you try and take some of that in, and hopefully it rubs off on you, and you become just a little bit of what they are. And, uh, and you, you remember these times. You remember the first time you meet a Lil Wayne, like I do. Like, the first time I met him was in New Orleans. And, dude, it, I thought it was the coolest thing ever to watch Lil Wayne fucked up on the dance floor. And I'm fucked up, too, but, like, everybody's jamming. And we listen to the DJ play about 15 minutes straight to Lil Wayne songs, and he's dancing to his own music. So <laughs> it was like the coolest thing ever to me. I'm like, he's this little dude that's just da- jamming on the dance floor by himself to himself. Yeah. You know, it was like, bro, who else can do that? Not many In New people. Orleans. It was great. So it was, um, that was like my first thing, and it was really cool. And that's a peak life experience, partying with Lil Wayne in New Orleans. Like, he, that's peak life experience. It is. And he had just picked Minnesota Vikings to beat us, too, because he didn't like – he was a big Brett Favre fan, so. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was like everybody hated him. Then we saw him, like, bro, it's still a little Wayne. You know what I'm saying? I became like, mad at him. Nah. He's just throwing some money down. Yeah, yeah, bro. It's all good. Um, that's hilarious. Yeah, but that's just another. You but wanna, that's what I'm saying. It's, these you, know, you know what else like I that. loved about that video when he's walking through the Colorado locker room? What was that? I want to hug Dion because Dion's rocking a pair of what looked like Dickie's overalls. There's no doubt. It was Dickie overalls. And I'm bringing. And, and Dion's trying to stay warm out there. I have been on a mission to bring back overalls full time, bro. Like, I mean, it's I've some, seen you a couple times over here. The most, the most comfortable item of clothing of all time, man. You I got need to pocket, get a pair. You got chest pockets. You can put phones. You can put everything. I, mean, I don't the, have a pair. I need to get a pair. You need to get you. Yeah, absolutely. I'll get you some for Christmas. How about that? Thank you. Birthday. That's a long time away. Again? December 11th. You, oh, damn. That's right. You are a December, baby. Yeah. You have to wait a while. I got to wait a while. That's all right. I, I might just go get me like a pair and then you get me like another. We'll like, circle back, color. as the kids say. Thousand percent. We'll circle back. Now, now, you said you wanted to talk about one more thing before we got I out I did. Um, Kyle, I think something happened the uh, in the last week that has probably never happened before. Hmm. And I wrote this down. And I think it's the NBA first oh. ever. And that is... We saw the Lakers versus the Celtics, where LeBron was clearly fouled last second. All right? Yes, him doing all the acting and going crazy was probably a little bit much. I get that. He totally LeBroned the effect afterwards. But that was not the first ever, a blown call. But Pat Beverly bringing a camera to show a referee that oh. they missed a call to get teed up because Darvin Ham didn't get teed up was probably the first time I've ever seen an NBA player grab a camera, go show the referee, this is what you missed. Was that not a first? I don't think we appreciated not, not, that. Not only was it a first, it was a top 10 <laughs> technical foul of all time. <laughs> that is absolutely epic. To have, first of all, I don't know if he just saw. I don't know. I didn't read further into the story. I just watched the replay dozens of times. It was so funny. Did, was not that the first? Like, that's the first did, you did, ever did, remember. Right? Did the photographer say, "Hey, Pat, I, check this out"? Like, did he? Did Pat just like reach around and look at the? Did Pat ask? Did he have the wherewithal to ask that photographer, "Hey, do you have a still frame?" Like, how did that all happen so quickly? And then to walk out brazenly on the floor in front of the whole arena and be like, "Hey, bro, check this shit out." <laughs> Is one of the top ten technical foul moments in the history of the NBA. I agree. I, I think I thought it was awesome. Fucking it, phenomenal. It was up there with, uh, with what's the coach's name that uh, that threw the chair? Um, oh, Bob Knight. Yeah, it was up there with Bob Knight. Top ten, top it, yes. ten technical foul moment of all time. No, no question. Where they're about to shoot something, he, all of a sudden a chair comes out 
from left field, Bob Knights. Awesome. Right. Pat Bev bringing out the camera to show the referee this is what you missed. Get the t- get teed up and walk right back over to his And, and I'm not saying you have to be sympathetic to the officials here, but, but but you also do, I think, have to appreciate the fact that the official, he was like, he was just immediately was like, what? Fuck you. I mean, he just didn't even hesitate. He's like, he, did. he brought a camera out. I mean, he didn't even hesitate. He wasn't stupefied by it. Like, no. I would have looked at him like, you went and got a camera? But instead, this official was like, oh, fuck you. Technical. You know what? You're going to try and show me up like this? <laughs> Tee his ass up right now. Tee him up ASAP. Like, like, what? And that wasn't even my call to make. Tee his ass up absolutely, right now. Absolutely. So I loved it. I, I thought I wanted to make sure I wrote that down last night because I was talking to my basketball homeboy, Tim, who was on the show one time. And I said, Tim, is this a first ever? I had never heard of this. I'd never seen this before. And now that I'm looking back on it, was this probably an NBA first that somebody went and got a camera and said, hey, this is what you missed. The call was this blatant. I don't think that's ever happened before. And I don't think ESPN and everybody else is covering it enough that this was probably an NBA first, and we may not see that ever again. Somebody's going to try and emulate it again. But at this point, the standard's set. When you show the ref the call he missed by camera, you're going to get your ass teed up Absolutely. right behind it. Absolutely. But right. it's epic. It's absolutely epic. I'm glad, I'm glad and, you agree with and, me. And on the one hand, like, I almost don't want anybody else to do it ever again because that Pat Bev did it. He did it. That should be his moment and nobody else's. Don't dilute. But on the other hand, do you realize how, how many officials you could hold accountable in the NBA by grabbing cameras and be like, look, I got proof you were wrong. Because some of these NBA officials are f- awful. Awful. That was an awful no call. Oh, dude. There's, we've seen, yes, it was. There's no question about that. Uh, there aren't many tears being shed for LeBron, at least not in my audience, because uh, we floated into that conversation all, all accidental, like in a breeze yesterday, about LeBron breaking Kareem's record and uh, you know now top five all time in assists. And the, the, the GOAT conversation came out in some people, and LeBron got trapped. It, it, it's amazing to me. We don't have time to talk about this, but it's amazing to me still how polarizing that guy is because – you either love him or hate him. I, I'm one of those that's very much so in the middle. I've hated him for all these years. Now he plays for my Lakers. I still so, don't like the fact so that I he So I kind of got to like him. But, I mean, I just hate that he just runs your whole organization. He really is the king. You got you to gotta kiss the ring. And you got to come to a knee to do it when he comes to your organization. I get it. But uh, I'm kind of over the whole deal. But whatever. The fact but, that he's wearing a Lakers uniform is still weird to me. It will never sit right with me. And he changed jerseys already. It's, like, annoying. But at the end of the day, I'm over it. I, I want to focus on Pat Bev, and I thought what he did was epic. Let's applaud Pat Bev as we wrap up the show today. I Every, thought it everybody was epic. Give it, Pat yeah. Bev, great job. Yep. That was an NBA first. We've seen a lot of things through the NBA, and for me, Pat Bev will always be known for being a great trash talker, amazing defender, and the guy that brought out the camera to get teed up to make sure the ref knew how bad of a missed call that was. All right, so when I, when I post the, the episode later, I'll make sure to tag Pat Beverly, Lil Wayne, <laughs> Uh, who else am I tagging in today's episode? Uh, Trent Williams. Trent Williams, Trent's definitely. Trent's scariest guy. Of all time. Of all time. Fletcher Cox, I'll get a, he'll, he'll get a mention in there, too. Apex Predators. Like. We'll hit Sean, well, Sean's not on Instagram. There's no way about that, right? Pay, no, Peyton's, Sean's not. Yeah, he's not on Instagram. Okay, cool. I'll figure it all.